Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm tired from yet another weekend of just like <laughs> fun. Uh, I had a homebrewing competition like on Saturday. Uh, folks didn't see it on my timeline. I wound up uh, actually coming in first in the IPA section. So yay for me and like another congratulations. One of my life. Fantastic. Yeah, it was a lot of fun uh, being able to hang out with other homebrewers for the evening. But the fact that we make alcohol means that you're almost required to drink said alcohol and taste test like pretty much everybody's beer throughout the entire evening. So it took me pretty much all of Sunday and into today to recover. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, I'm I'm happy to be here, man. Happy to be able to talk with you guys again about the NFC East. Uh, but Jen, how are you doing? Um, I'm okay. Uh, I am. Uh... A little burnout if we're if we're going to be honest here I'm, I'm i'm approaching like the end of draft season which really some people are just starting but I, i've reached mm. kind of a i've reached a wall of uh of, of sorts so i need to kind of re- revitalize re-energize uh for the season um i do have a question your hat there is that from our little bacon guy that uh yeah yeah so (laughs) so for the folks that don't know go back to i forget which episode number but you can just look for just the google search uh (laughs) not jen approved if you google uh, if your twitter search like not jen that's a different episode first of all i think it's the same one no no no, yeah no it's it's a different one yeah because it's it's a different different one it was oh yeah that's right no it was the breakfast yeah it was the breakfast discussion Uh, and during that, I mean, it was just a hilarious conversation about, uh, let's say Brandon's preferences, like towards bacon. And we actually wound up talking with, uh, one of the folks that typically like listens to the show, uh, Charlie out in Illinois owns his own like bacon shop. I mean, so I wound up actually talking to him for a little bit. Actually, he sent out some bacon, like my way. Delicious, delicious meat. I want bacon, Charlie. Yeah, so definitely, yeah. So go talk to go talk to Charlie, Charlie the Bacon Guy, like on Twitter. So like, go ahead and check him out. Unofficial sponsor. Yeah, unofficial sponsor. Yeah, unofficial sponsor of Four for Four. But I had to like sport the hat because he sent me some swag, and I haven't like, and it hasn't been just the three of us. I think like since that episode, I think this is one of the first times like we've had guests on the entire time. So had to support Charlie. Appreciate all of yeah, all of his work because I have to put another order too. That's awesome. I'm gonna have to yeah. do that as well. Brandon, what's going on with you? Oh, not much. You know, the usual. It's 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 the grind season. It's the fun time of the season. I've got my home league next weekend uh, that I've been doing since I was a kid, and I'm looking forward to it. And I'm baffled by who my QB four is on my own rankings. It's a it's a weird scoring league, so it's uh, uh, trying to figure out who my QB four is. I, I I don't know what to do. So that's been occupying my mind at a at an unreasonable clip. Uh, lately, my, my wife will look at me. It's it's like that meme where they say, I bet she's thinking about other women and I'm just going, <laughs> is it Dak Prescott? Do I, do I think it, is it, it's Dak Prescott? That's that's all yeah. that's going on in my mind. Um, <laughs> this week, we're going to talk NFC East. Uh, I want to step on that segment just a little bit. I want to ask you, too, about Brian Robinson. Um, he's a lot of buzz right now. He's still only going to cost a 13th round pick on underdog fantasy right now. Uh, But the Twitter hype on him has been substantial enough that he's causing Antonio Gibson to drop. Uh, When I looked, it was half a round. I think that's even further now. I think I'm seeing him at the tail end of the running back dead zone now, which is uh, shocking since he was going fourth, fifth round there for a long time. Still plummeting. Uh, Jen, we'll get to Antonio Gibson later when we do uh, get into the division preview. But uh, should we be buying Robinson given his affordability right now on underdog? I mean, sure, I guess. I don't know. I'm just not super like... I'm not super hyped on the offense in general, and it's hard to get excited about that. It's like, for example, very similar situation. You've got Damian Pierce, right? People are super fired up all of a sudden. You know, I think drafters just like clamor towards any kind of clarity in a backfield. And you're like, ooh, an RB1, you can get him that late. But like Houston's not going to be very good, and they're probably going to be behind every single game. So I don't understand why people are rushing out to get Damian Pierce. And I feel kind of similar about Robinson. Like, I want to like him. I want to be happy that like maybe we have clarity there, but I don't think Gibson's just going to go away. I mean, I understand that they've been using him in all different places, you know, this this preseason, but it is the preseason. So I feel like the hype is there. And I mean, I feel like Robinson is probably already, you know, while we've been talking, his ADP has probably risen. So you're probably I feel right. Like, yeah, I feel like 13th round fine, but he's probably going to settle, you know, in the ninth, 10th, I, I would think in the next couple of weeks. And 
I, I don't know that I, I think that's a little too rich for me in in that in the Washington offense. Uh, you know, those ADPs change dramatically, especially this time of season with preseason. People get really crazy. Isaiah Pacheco, who we talked about, I think, a week or two ago as being someone you can get at the end. He's going as, uh, the I think, the second Chiefs back in, like, the ninth round now. Like, that's that's where you got to draft him if you're going to go after Isaiah Pacheco, which seems uh, at this point is not... <laughs> It's, I'm no longer that interested at this point. Uh, as I mentioned, Brian Robinson, right now, anyway, going in the 13th round at Underdog Fantasy. Chris, are you buying him? No, not now. I think the time in order to pick up a guy like Brian Robinson was, I mean, a couple months ago, if you wanted to, if you were diving into the rookies, because now you're talking about paying the inflated costs, like based off of a workload that we're all just kind of projecting. The reactions to Brian Robinson, like when he's being brought on the field, the usage that we've seen in preseason and just like the general negativity we're seeing towards Antonio Gibson. What was it? He was practicing with the first team, practicing with the second team, the third team, special teams unit, uh, getting Ron Rivera coffee. Like, I, I don't know what was going on with Antonio <laughs> Gibson like at practice. So I guess it makes sense for people to want to buy into this. But what are the expectations here? Like, I'm 100% with Jen in that why should we expect him to get enough of a workload in order to vault into the single digit rounds in terms of value? I, I can get it. I can get behind the sense that if you wanted to draft him as a backup running back, and if you wanted to draft him as a guy that had the contingent value, so let's say like a Khalil Herbert from last year. So if you wanted to draft him in that role, like where if the lead running back were to go down, which it's been Antonio Gibson, he's been hurt multiple games, like every single season since he came into league. Okay. I get that. That, that makes some sense. But if you're drafting him now with the with the idea that he's going to have this large like RB2 role and on top of that, like maybe take over for Antonio Gibson because the team is seeming to sour on him. Like we're projecting it's like narratives on top of narratives on top of narratives. And now, OK, that might be that might work. But how many things have to go right in order for that to happen? And also, at the end of the day, this is an offense that's being powered by Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, like his on-target percentage last year in throws was 28th in the NFL. He had a worse on-target percentage than Jacoby Brissett. So if you're really looking to invest in that offense, I get that the cost is cheap and it's a it's a position that can be somewhat quarterback agnostic. I guess I can understand that too. But I think now at this point, it's the time to kind of pump the brakes and now look for value elsewhere versus just continuing to buy into this hype when at the end of the day, the commanders might not be the offense you wanted to invest in in the first place. That makes sense. Chris, could you foresee a situation where Gibson plummets and Robinson is still a value where you draft both of them? Would, would that uh, be something in best ball or redraft? Uh, neither to be for me to be quite honest, because in the cases where we've actually seen that work out, I mean, the easy, ex easiest example is the, I mean, the saints when it was Kamara and Ingram, but that was again, a, an offense that was powered by an elite quarterback. We do not have that here. And I know folks are already trying to I guess they're trying to pigeonhole the Seahawks into it with the ADPs for both Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker. Now, not so much with Walker having the hernia surgery last week, but still, I think that was essentially the expectation was that this was going to be a team that was going to be good offensively. And with the Seahawks having a much superior wide receiver core and a just as shaky quarterback situation, I could squint and see the reasons why like folks who want to buy into the Seahawks, but for the, the commanders, Absolutely not. I do not want to. I, will, I do not want to tie multiple pieces of draft capital on my roster, like to the Commanders. That doesn't make any sense to me. Not Chris sure. approved. Not Chris <laughs> not approved. approved. Yeah. My my thinking. I was kind of dabbling with that Seattle tandem, and I, I know it's 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 sacrilege, right? It's it's not. But my my thinking there was that I think Rashad Penny's going to start and be an RB one. I think he's mm -hmm. going to be good, despite how bad that offense could potentially be. Although um, preseason so far, it looks like they may finally have two starting tackles. Those rookies look really, really good, but much improved uh, offensive line. So my idea there was Penny's going to be the starter. He's an RB one. I have that. Penny's probably going to play forty percent of the games. Uh, Kenneth Walker is a super talented player. They want to run the ball. I think he's going to be an RB one. So the idea was, I get an RB one all season out of two draft picks. That was kind of the idea there, which I guess is the the mentality for handcuffing in general, which is again not something that is generally accepted in best ball because uh, you're really kind of limiting your roster space in that situation on a team that you can't do waivers. Jen, your approach to uh, to what we're talking about and uh, does it change on underdog versus in your redraft formats? I don't really handcuff anymore. I did, you know, in my, in my younger days, in my youth, uh, but not really, unless it makes sense. Like, okay, for example, earlier this summer, I was 
taking a like a little Alvin Kamara and then a little Mark Ingram at the end, thinking that maybe that would kind of pan out um, if there was a suspension. But it's tough to really, you know, depends on the backfield, but there aren't very many where you can see that paying off. You know, I mean, if you, you know, do you want to go in and grab Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson? I mean, and then what? And then it ends up being Pierre Strong and you screw yourself completely. So I feel like there's not that many backfields where you could actually pull that off and have it work out. I mean, unless you're really looking for injury insurance, like unless you're, you're literally drafting, you know, Christian McCaffrey and then you wait and you take, you know, Foreman or, you know, Chuba Hubbard, I guess, if you really wanted to, something like that um, to where you're, you know, someone that's maybe more on the injury pro sign, you're trying to cover your bases, but Overall, uh, I, I drop other people's, you know, RB twos and not my own. That makes sense. It, it, it makes a ton of sense to me. Um, something that I've noticed on Underdog, all these uh, preseason darlings and all these players that are doing well, the Pachecos, the Damian Pierces, they're catapulting up Underdog ADPs, right? And they're harder to get now. And as Chris mentioned, if you want to target them, the best time to target them is uh, in May. So uh, we're a little late on that. Somebody who I'm grabbing is Ty Montgomery because Ty Montgomery is speaking of the Patriots. He might be the James White in that role. He very well might be. And I mean, maybe not, but you could get him at the very end of your, your best. He's a receiver though. He's a receiver on underdog. He's a receiver, but he might play that James White role for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's 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 something that I've been noticing over there on Underdog. It's something that I've been drafting regularly there. Uh, I, to be fair, I think I'm currently drafting seven different best ball mania right now and four Pomeranians. <laughs> I, I have a problem. It's, 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 it's an issue that I'm aware of. It's uh it's fun. It's, it's like those Pomeranians are fun. Those $3 ones, which one dropped this morning. Uh, Cause mm-hmm. they, you can practice strategies and you can get a little crazy and do some wild stuff. Um, and then the I, best ball media is, you know, that's $10 million in prizes. So it's, mm. I, I have to, I have to throw a few in that direction. Sure. You know yeah, I, I was <laughs> telling you this morning, Brandon, I feel like those Pomeranians are super sharp for some reason. I did four of them today and it was just like snipe city. Like there was yeah. nothing, nothing was falling to me. Nothing like I ended up with 18 random players, like no correlation, <laughs> no stack. Like it was just, yeah. It was rough. player after player. Just give me all the players. Everything yeah. I wanted was just gone. And I was just like, okay, I'm just taking people Dang. here. And of course that'll be the winner. Like some random team that was no thought process, yep. no construction, no build, just random yeah. players. And that'll be the one that takes it all down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I ended up with a super Dallas stack where I ended up with, uh, I had lamb, Zeke Pollard, Dak and Schultz and Gap. unless you have Noah Brown, Ooh. I don't want to hear it because I've been yeah. I've been drafting him. You've been getting Noah Brown, Noah Brown. That's another oh, interesting, wow. interesting Listen, target. He's free. Yeah. He's free. You got you got to <laughs> grab those random, you know, last last guys at the end of the line just in case. You never know. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, if you want to go and uh, get in on those best ball mania tournaments, uh, two million dollars to first place this year, which is just madness. Uh, if you haven't already, head over to four for four dot com slash underdog, find out how you can get a free four for four pro or DFS subscription and a deposit bon- deposit bonus match with a new underdog account. So let's get into our NFC East division fantasy preview. Uh, we s- talked a little Washington. Jen, you want to uh, carry us through the rest of the commanders? Um, no, yeah, let's do that. Uh, let's go. Let's. I guess we might as well just continue with the backfield because we were already there, right? We talked about Robinson. We talked about Gibson. Uh, we, you know, McKissick. I mean, are people still, you know, McKissick and PPR? Like, I, he's there, right? He's somewhat cheap. Actually, he's very cheap. Chris, are you taking some McKissick and PPR formats? Are you staying away? I mean, I know we discussed that we're all somewhat staying away from this backfield in general, but. You know, McKissick is McKissick, right? He usually finds a way to get some work, um, especially in those point per reception. You in, Chris? You out? Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially at his cost on underdog right now, what is he going in the, what, 16th, 16th-ish round as of right now? Yeah, later round option. And while he doesn't typically fit into the archetype of running back that people should typically be looking for, so like I was saying earlier, the Khalil Herberts, the Jamal Williams, the Brian Robinsons, like when he was sitting back there, just the guys that if the starter were to go down, they'd be the one taking over a 60-ish percent workload like afterwards. Whereas with J.D. JD McKissick, if Brian Robinson, or let's say if Antonio Gibson goes down, we know who's going to get the work. It's going to be Brian Robinson. So he would essentially need both of those guys to go down. But 
Washington made it at least a semi-priority to bring him back. Remember, he was going to sign with the Bills. They wind up, you know, trying to like, you know, match or like try to bring him back, like with the contract. And then now we see him back as a part of the team. And so if the team is essentially trying to tell us with their wallet that they want him to be a part of that offense, then I think we should at least listen to that. And I would say that it's also a fairly massive indictment on Antonio Gibson, considering he is a converted wide receiver and they wound up taking the other pass catching running back and they want they wanted to bring him back. But I also think it's the type of routes that he's going to run not complex or anything like that. They're just simple types of just dump off routes that Carson Wentz can theoretically hit uh, in order to make things easier for him. Cause I can kind of see a scenario where Ron Rivera wants to try and give Wentz as many easy buttons as possible. I mean, they already have like Terry McLaurin. Uh, I mean, Curtis Samuel, assuming he's healthy. I mean, all of them can at least provide yards after the catch. And then the same thing for JD McKissick as well, more so than what Antonio Gibson can do. So yeah, I'm buying in on JD McKissick, like absolutely, as my fifth running back, or you know, fifth in a fifth in a fifth uh, five RB build, or five or fifth in my in a six RB build. I think JD McKissick provides enough upside to at least boost the rest of your running back group. Should you draft him that way? So yeah, I like him. All right, Brandon, any thoughts? Or are we picture this? JD McKissick <laughs> flies into Buffalo. All right. He is camped out with a whole smorgasbord of appetizers at the Applebee's that Marshawn Lynch used to shut down when he was there. Right. <laughs> I love this story already. It's true. He's there. He's got he's got 12 year old McAllen scotch, which is the best Applebee's has to offer. Right. And uh, everyone there with the Buffalo Bills is is just schmoozing him with everything that they have to offer. OK. Mm-hmm. He signs the contract at the table. He's still got. The um, like the barbecue sauce, like on his fingers from the appetizers. When no he wet naps. It, no, no wet naps. No, no wet naps. It's just it's he dips his fingers in the scotch and then just signs with uh, signs that there's barbecue sauce on the contract. Goes back to his uh, deluxe suite at the Holiday Inn, which is absolutely what happened. Uh, and then waiting for him is Ron Rivera in his hotel room. Dark, dark scene. Right. Somehow got his hotel key. He's sitting back there. There's the lamp facing the other way as you see a silhouette. For some reason, Chris Paul is there. And you also have Johnny Gill, uh, famous uh, member of, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the best uh, R&B groups to ever grace us out of Washington, D.C. Right. Um, a wonderful member of New Edition. Johnny Gill there. And Ron Rivera says, you're coming back to Washington. And Chris Paul says, look, DeAndre Jordan said he wasn't coming back to the Clippers. I'm telling you now, you're coming back to the Clippers. And Ron Rivera says, we're not the Clippers, Chris. I don't know how you got here. And Chris (laughs) says, I'm leaving. And J.D. McKissich says, I now believe you want me. And Ron Rivera says, you're going to get 50 targets minimum, minimum. And you're going to continue to catch four and a half balls per game as you have the last two seasons. And I don't know why PPR fantasy managers wouldn't draft you at some point at the back ends of their roster when clearly you're going to be a solid bye week filler at minimum. That's the best story ever. All right. <laughs> I, uh, I don't need anything yeah. else. Like We're I'm done. Get, we're done, folks. Yeah, shut it down. Uh, like this, pod is, this podcast is over, y'all. That's yeah. It. That's it. Um, all right. So I guess on that note, we will move uh, to the, the wide receiver room uh for for the uh, washington commanders so listen we got terry mclaurin right arguably the best quarterback of his career <laughs> i don't know Wentz. I, i'm I, i've never heard you heard anyone sound as bored as you I just mean, did describing carson West. it's I love just it. you know yeah. what he was he, i just can't like i cannot get behind it he was horrible i mean granted it is preseason um but he was awful i mean he you know he went six of nine for 64 yards. It was 0 for 3 on third downs. I mean, he was not good uh, this weekend. Uh, I will say one thing, though. Um, well, I guess we can get to Terry first. And then, so Terry is going as wide receiver 19th in the, in the fourth round, ta- wide receiver 19 in the fourth round. I've been kind of passing on him. I just, I'm concerned. Um, once again, it comes back to Wentz. Uh, I'm a little concerned. Are you guys. How do you feel about Terry? Chris, are you in? 
Yeah, because from okay. a contest yeah, from a contested catch standpoint, like Terry McLaurin is still one of the better players like in that phase of the mm -hmm. game. And we saw what Carson Wentz was doing with Michael Pittman last year. And while Michael Pittman is not the same type of wide receiver that Terry McLaurin is, it's good to see that Wentz is still volatile enough to trust his wide receiver one like down the field. I mean, remember what, what was it last year? Was it week seven Indianapolis against San Francisco in like the pouring rain? And Wentz is still chucking up, you know, like 40 yard bombs to Pittman. He could do the same thing with Terry McLaurin. And if those types of uh, those types of attempts are still going to be there for McLaurin, along with, let's say, the majority of the targets compared to the rest of the pass catchers. I mean, we could probably pencil him in for 23, 25 percent target share, which has essentially been his floor for the past couple of seasons. Then, yeah, I think Terry McLaurin, especially with the guys he's being drafted around. I mean, like the Deontay Johnsons of the world. I mean, guys in in, in that range. Yeah, that I round feel, is very gross. The fourth right. round is it not really great. Is. Yeah, so I, I feel just as comfortable with Terry McLaurin as any of the other guys that you might like stumble over at that point in the draft. Well, I see, Brandon, based on the name that you just changed yourself to, you are obviously on board as hashtag Team Terry. I, I like guys, I, I'm going to call it the Brandon Cooks All-Stars, right? Guys that seem like they're quarterback proof. So to me, Carson Wentz, uh, best quarterback he's had. And and I know sure. you you rolled your eyes at that. But the fact is, he's produced with bad quarterback play. So if you've produced with bad quarterback play and your new quarterback is slightly better, even if even if slightly better is bad, like we talked about that with uh, with Jacksonville, right? We talked about how the coaching could be bad and still infinitely better. Right. Um, and uh, it's Sal, Sal right now is, is angry, angry, violently angry that I've discussed uh, that I've dismissed Alex Smith, the ghost of Alex Smith that played for Washington briefly <laughs> with Terry McLaurin. But uh, I, yeah, Carson Wentz, like not good at all, but pretty efficient last year, fed Michael Pittman into his breakout season. I think Terry McLaurin can at least repeat what he did last year, which is borderline wide receiver two numbers. And that's what I'm looking for in the fourth round. So uh, I like him better than a lot of the other options that are available in that round. Uh, but I agree with you overall, Jen, like it's not a round I'm like psyched about. I'm not, yeah, I would love Terry McLaurin a lot more around later, <laughs> but yeah, overall, it's pretty I, really gross. Like I will say though, um, I am. I, I'm coming around on uh, Dotson, the uh, rookie. Uh, I was looking at. Mm, you know, that's pretty I, good. I, yeah, I mean, I you know, I do a um, a recap for four for four every every week of the preseason. It came out this morning. Um, and in that, you know, in that research, I found that uh, actually Dotson was tied with Terry. He had 18 first team snaps and 10 routes uh, with the ones, and that was tied with Terry. So they obviously plan to use them him and are using him. Uh, as you know, running with the first team like that. So there was a brief period. I, I was in on Dotson earlier, and then I kind of switched over to to Samuel, as, as, you know, Curtis Samuel as my kind of dart there in that in that offense. I'm now back to Dotson as of this morning. They're all, you know, I mean, Dotson is going as wide receiver 63. Uh, Terry, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Curtis Samuel is wide receiver 86. So I mean, both those guys are pretty cheap. And, you know, I guess if you believe in the fact that they may be behind because Carson Wentz is not good, uh, they may be throwing a lot at the end. And so that would help Terry, that would help Dotson, that would help Samuel. So um, I'm more, I guess, on the skip Terry and go for the cheap guys at the end. Uh, I don't know. That, that's kind of my take. Do either of you guys have anything uh, to say about either of those two guys? I think I'm with you on both of them. I, I wonder if Curtis Samuel is ever going to be a thing again. I hope so. Yeah. I really like him. I'm rooting for him. Uh, but, you know, obviously the kids had a hard time staying on the field. Even when he was productive in Carolina, he had a hard time staying on the field. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I, I, he's kind of reached that point to me now where I, I I fear that it's just going to be an abandoned roster spot. And so I end up I end up with Dotson more often than Samuel. But I like his upside. Definitely like his upside. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the, uh, some dude named Matt Harmon said that he's uh, fairly good as a uh, as a big play <laughs> threat, like out of the slot. Seems to know a little bit about wide receivers. Go ahead and check him out over at Reception Perception if you can. Uh, but works well in the short and intermediate areas of the field, which if we're thinking about Terry McLaurin as that intermediate to deep, like downfield, like field stretcher, like type role, contested catch, like type of role that we were just talking about for McLaurin, you'd also need another pass catcher in that area of the field to kind of offset Terry, like drawing most of the attention from the defense. That's where Dotson can kind of shine. So I am kind of digging him like in the, where's he going? Like what 
12th, 13 ish round, like somewhere like 12 through 14, like if I'm remembering correctly. Yep. Yeah, somewhere in that range. So that kind of makes sense for him. And then with Curtis Samuel, I'm always just wondering if, and this is me just like putting on like my conspiracy theory cap for a second, is that there is so much playmaking ability with Curtis Samuel as both a rusher out of the backfield. Like you can just be as creative as you want. And Scott Turner has been creative as a play caller. But I do just wonder if because they've been so capped at the quarterback position for the past few seasons, whether it's been Taylor Heineke or Alex Smith, unfortunately, now Sal's going to kick me off the show, but, (laughs) and now you have Carson Wentz. It's like, there's only so many things you can do with this offense. When you have that, those types of players under center, there's only so many concepts, so many schematics that you can run with those types of guys under center. So like, how can you really be creative with your pass catchers? If that, this is all you can do. So I, I can understand why Curtis Samuel hasn't really fired the way that we expected him to just because this is what they've had to deal with. They have to run like the most basic offenses, like with the types of quarterbacks that they have, because there's really not much else they can do. So I, I get why folks are down on Curtis Samuel from the health and also from the standpoint of this is the type of offense that they're just kind of stuck with at the moment. Yeah, it's hard to imagine Washington supporting more than one fantasy receiver. It definitely uh, definitely is difficult for that. Also, if you're looking for uh, Chris and I next week after we get fired for our Alex Smith slander, uh, we'll be on a, a podcast uh, of our own creation called Who's Alex Smith? And I don't care. That's what's going to be the new uh, the new podcast. I think I'll be there with you because I was the one that actually said arguably the best quarterback to start this conversation. <laughs> so all three of us will be looking for a new home. All right, last yeah, guy we need jobs. to talk. Oh, last guy we need to talk about real quick is the ghost of Logan Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, activated off pup today, I believe. So. Yeah. 31-year-old Michael or Michael Thomas. Well, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. 31-year-old Logan Thomas um, is now back in the mix. Uh, speaking of supporting more than one fantasy pass catcher, I mean, I don't know. I guess he's a dart if you want him to be a dart. He's definitely not someone I would target in redraft for all you redraft folks. But uh, mm-hmm. in the best ball world, sure. I mean. Tight end three. Yeah. yeah, if I have a three tight end build, Logan Thomas is a target for me if the bye weeks work out. Um, mm-hmm. If uh, but if it's a, if I have a two tight end target uh, build, then I'm usually not after him. So. Mm-hmm. Sounds um, good. I think that's all we have for the uh, the commanders. Yeah, Unless- we didn't talk. I wanted to quickly just say I am kind of buying Antonio Gibson. I didn't like him at his ADP, but now that he's like available later, I think I still think he's gonna have a role. So I, I like Antonio Gibson now that he's slipped into a, a situation where I get him as my RB four. I really like that. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, I think if you're talking about that type of value proposition, I don't have much of an issue with that. It's just the running backs that I want to build around him. I would want a just for like to throw a name out there. I want a Tony Pollard with him. I sure. want yep. a Alexander Madison. With him. I want a guy that like while you're just going to get like the boring fantasy points like from Antonio Gibson. I also want the pod like the upside of mixing him with one of those types of guys. Like, yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah, makes sense. Cool. Uh, Eagles. Sure. All right, so let's just try and keep this simple because any discussion with the Eagles starts and pretty much stops with what's your take on Jalen Hurts as a passer? Because that's really what we care about, to be quite honest. I mean, you can draft Jalen Hurts at what the, uh, what's it, the five, six turn, somewhere in there, quarterback, five, six, like somewhere like in there on underdog as of right now. Jalen Hurts by himself as a quarterback option, absolutely fine. No issues with that. I mean, we saw that just last just last season, but now he's got pass catchers attached to him. I mean, multiple pass catchers attached to him. If you want to start with AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, if you even want to go super deep and talk about like Kenny Gainwell, Quez Watkins, okay, fine. So just Brandon, I'll kick it to you first. Do you think that this offense, like thinking about how the Eagles operated on offense last season, can Jalen Hurts actually be the passer that we need him to be based off of the fantasy values for his pass catchers? Like, can he be that guy this season? So it's 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 a little early, just a little early to draft him. So I don't have a lot of Hurts, but I do love Hurts. And I, I, I loved him a lot coming out of college. I liked him a lot. I like his talent. Uh, I think he's whatever that it factor is that we can't um, properly, uh, you know, put stats behind. He's got it right. He's he's uh, seems like a great kid. Seems like somebody uh, that's great to play with. And he elevates his teammates and 
Uh, I think he's a great player and he produces fantasy points. You know, a lot of that is that Konami code aspect that he does. We're expecting more passing from him. I think the weapons are there. Um, I think he gets criticized for his inability to throw um, a little unfairly. Uh, I, I know he hasn't been super efficient and a lot of that is read uh, progressions that he just wasn't asked to do in college that he hasn't been doing as much, but he's done one full season as a starter, a, a year and a half as a starter um, already made the playoffs with that team. Uh, they've got a good roster around him. Now one of the best offensive lines in the league uh, hopefully will be healthy this year. He's mm, got yeah. good running backs. He's got pass catchers. I I'm buying the Jalen hurts hype. I think he's the type of kid that's going to keep getting better. I don't know why he gets more criticism than your other average quarterbacks do, but so do I, I wasn't going to go there, but <laughs> it's, yeah. It's interesting how he and Lamar Jackson and Tua Tagovailoa all get a, a heavy dose of criticism, and Mac Jones doesn't. It's the but, common trend there. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but uh, <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Uh, but I'm a big fan, and again, it's a little high because I could get Dak Prescott a round or two later, and I think he offers okay. uh, a, a lot of uh, fantasy upside. Tom Brady's there a round or two later, and then if you want to wait even longer, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr. I think you could do well at the quarterback position. Uh, if he was being drafted around those other guys, I would pick Hurts over those other guys, mm -hmm. but because I can get the other guys later, I end up without a lot of Hurts, but I do love him, and I do think that all the talk about him having the most Josh Allen potential, which is uh, you know going from a, a solid quarterback to the QB1, I do think that's valid. I think that if you're looking for a player with that potential, Jalen Hurts is the guy to look at yeah and i think that you're exactly i think you're spot on with the types of bets that you want to make because if we're all betting like not all of us but i'd say the royal we as a fantasy community if we're betting on trey lance i mean a guy that has and this is a stat that i pulled for my recent article go and check it on for four for overvalued quarterbacks trey lance said 328 passes since 2019 literally 28 other like pass uh, 28 other quarterbacks had the same number if not more passing attempts just last season that's been the last like three calendar years for trey lance but we're going to make that bet for trey lance not just a couple rounds later after jalen hurts and of course like the footwork can be there but jen kicking it over to you i think i'm trying to sell myself on the pass catchers first because if i can sell myself on aj brown being able to win at short i mean on screens intermediate like dig curl routes and also as a deep threat we saw that with him and with ryan Tannehill in tennessee devonta smith in his second year but also i mean playmaker at the intermediate and deep levels of the field also can win short as well but now he has a like one a to go to like him, him being the one b dallas goddard's already good i mean so like the the pass catching core is elite enough that even if jalen hurts just has a, just a even a minor step forward as a passer, I think 20th in completion percentage over over expected last season. At least that's the story that I'm trying to tell myself that he can actually be the quarterback that we need him to be. I mean, are you trying to tell yourself a similar story or are you just like, I, I'll just draft Jalen Hurts and I don't care about the rest of like the pass catchers, maybe minus Dallas Goddard because he's cheaper. No, I like that story. And I'm right there with you actually on, the, on that story. I feel like they brought in AJ Brown for a reason. I feel like they are trying to become more of a passing offense and, and rely less on the run. I think that that's kind of was their point and their purpose. So I feel like they are going to push that. And, and if it is successful, they will continue. I think, you know, last year they, they tried that and they kind of ended up bailing and going more towards run. I think from week seven on, I don't remember the actual numbers, um, but they're there. Um, so I feel like, yeah, I feel like that they're in a position where they want to pass more and they're going to try to pass more. And like you said, if, you know, if he takes, you know, a half a step forward, I feel like with those weapons and with the volume, I feel like all these guys are going to be fantasy relevant. I don't know how they can't be. And we've already heard, you know, good reports from, you know, on AJ Brown in camp, you know, he's, he's doing well, he's gelling all that. Devonta Smith, yeah, it wasn't the greatest, you know, rookie campaign, but it wasn't the worst either. Like he was fine considering the situation. So I feel like he takes a step forward. And like you said, Goddard's already good. You know, Ertz is gone. It, it's his tight end room. And I think that, you know, he's definitely draftable. And, and I don't know exactly what, uh, where he's going, but I feel like he's, he's affordable as well. So yeah, I'm actually buying um, all of these pass catchers. I feel like, you know, they're all, I mean, AJ Brown is pricey. And let's be real, mm -hmm. he's pricey. Yeah. But like Devonta Smith and, you know, and, and he, listen, I'll grab some Quez Watkins at the end. I have no problem sure, with that either. Me. 
Yes, you know? So especially yeah. especially in best ball when you're looking mm-hmm. for spike yeah. weeks because he's going to get those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really where I'm at, like with the aerial attack for Philadelphia. I I think we can all agree that we believe that there's a possibility for Hertz to take a step forward, if not of his own volition, because we've seen him start like grow as a quarterback when he was still in college. And as long as he he's developed over time in college, he just needs some more time with not just a new offense, but like a new coaching staff just last season. I mean, that's the other context that a lot of folks like just can kind of conveniently like toss out that it's possible for him to be a better passer this season. And now he also has the weapons in order to do that as well. I just think that there's definitely a chance. I'm looking at his, uh, go ahead and check out on 44.com, the schedule grid and also the hot spots that we have available based off of adjusted fantasy points allowed, which haven't been updated for this season yet, obviously, because we don't have any data. But first five games of the season at Detroit, then they go to Minnesota or they host Minnesota, Washington, Jacksonville, and Arizona. I mean, if Jalen Hurts can't be a top 12 quarterback five weeks consecutively just based off that schedule, that's a nice way to start the season. To that's be quite appealing. Honest. Yeah, that's very appealing. That I mean, because now as we're entering in a redraft season, that's something to consider just by looking at, I mean, if they see Jalen Hurts, they're like, oh, yeah, I don't want to do that again this year. You know, just the Tampa Bay playoff game left a bad, you know, bad taste in my mouth. I don't want to do it. Just look at that matchup. Look at his pass catchers. I, I, I'm the more, I mean, the more I've thought about it over the offseason, the more I've wanted to buy into it. But the other portion of it is the running game outside of Jalen Hurts. I mean, we've got Miles Sanders literally saying on camera not to draft him. So everybody's now gravitating towards Kenny Gainwell. Boston Scott was actually featured. He was the starter in their uh in their preseason game just this past week. Got banged in a touchdown after three consecutive cracks, like from the goal line. So, I mean, Jen, how are you looking at this backfield? Are you just completely avoiding Miles Sanders, just knowing the fact that Jalen Hurts as a rusher is going to get his? We've seen Miles Sanders be quasi-efficient, but just not enough to really hold on to the starting job. And it's just easier to draft the guys that are cheaper later. I mean, that's the story I'm telling myself, but how are you approaching this Philadelphia backfield? Well, personally, uh, I drafted a lot of Miles Sanders in the spring and early summer. So now I am laying off because I just I'm, I'm overweight and it's it's a situation where it's starting to it, it's scaring me because I already have invested you know quite a bit of, of draft capital in him in, in best ball teams. Um, you guys, you remember? I think you and I, Chris, had kind of a debate about Gainwell earlier this this summer. I've been mm-hmm. in on him the whole I've been in on him the whole time, and you have not been so. Um, I have my fair share of him as well, um, especially in any kind of PPR format. I feel like um, he's going to get his fair share. Boston Scott absolutely royally screwed me last season, and I cannot physically hit that button for that guy's name. I can't do it. I know he's getting run. I know he's getting play this preseason. I cannot allow myself to talk myself into drafting him. Uh, I just can't do it. So um, I think at the moment I'm laying off, but if I were just stepping up now and like, okay, it's time to draft fantasy. And I was just a regular old fantasy person. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably do a little bit of both of those guys. Cause I feel like, you know, that offense, I think, I think there's going to be enough for, for Sanders and gain. Well, uh, Sanders does have some sort of injury though, right now. Right. Does he have a hammy or he has something? Yeah. He's he, nicked up. Yeah. He has something is, that he's dealing with, concerning. which is, yeah. yes, it is concerning as well, but he's very cheap. I mean, still, and he probably will be getting cheaper as the, as the days and weeks go on. So mm-hmm. um, I'm not completely out. Like I said, if I was just walking up now and starting my fantasy research, but I've already invested too much in that backfield that I, I've definitely backed off. No, and I think that kind of makes sense. And now that like I'm thinking about it like more and more, I mean, Miles Sanders, at least from a fantasy standpoint, it almost feels like he falls into that Antonio Gibson bucket where it's like everybody's just kind of soured on him. They're almost drafted in the same range. I mean, seventh, eighth-ish round, if not like falling like day by day, but just they're going to wind up getting those boring touches. They might have... You know, a week where, I mean, Miles Sanders, hopefully he'll finally score a touchdown last season. Was it like 15 to 20 carries within the red zone? Zero touchdowns last year. So positive, you know, some so some regression might be in his favor. But again, Brandon, I mean, how are you looking at this, this backfield? Because it does seem like everybody's expecting Kenny Gainwell to take a step forward. Like we were just talking about, Boston Scott might be able to scamper his way into the end zone every few, every few games or so, considering he's looking healthy in the preseason. So it's just... How are you like, are you even in on Sanders and you just want to take the cheaper guys later? Or can you make the case for Miles Sanders this year? 
So I need to probably yeah, have you seen the movie like Three Men and a Baby? Oh yeah. Right. That I mean, movie. yeah. yeah. Was... So my dynasty rosters should be called Three Kens and a Waddle. Because I have so <laughs> much uh Kenneth Walker, Kenny Pickett, and Kenny Gainwell. Like mm-hmm. I, I have so much and Jalen Waddle. So uh the story my dynasty film is is three Kens and a Waddle. That's how okay. it works for me. Yeah. Uh I, I love me some Kenny Gainwell. I'm nervous. I, I the rookie season didn't happen like I wanted it to be. Uh, but I do think that at least the chatter coming out of the beat writers is that he's an active part of the offense and maybe he'll get more targets and maybe he'll be uh, more there. One thing he was pretty efficient around the goal line. Uh, Mm -hmm. Kenny Gainwell scored more touchdowns than I think expected based on his workload. And so I do think that he might develop a role there where Miles Sanders hasn't really been as efficient. Uh, My concern is like, have you checked the peanuts guy? Like, is that Jordan Howard just hanging around waiting? Like, is he just waiting? (laughs) Don't don't do that. You're you're advocating for Merck, like more Merck. Uh, like, I'm Merck. nervous about Merck. Look, I feel I feel the Merck in the air. Like if there's humidity on the East Coast. I'm a little concerned that the Merck's gonna come in and Jordan Howard's just gonna gonna ride his way back into uh, some vulturing touchdowns for us. Uh, I'm I'm with Jen though. I'm overweight on on Eagles uh, running backs in general. Gamewell's still super cheap, so you can get him as your RB six. So I'm very much interested in that still, especially in PPR formats. Miles Sanders, if I can start getting him as my RB5, then I'm going to be in back in. But right now, RB3, it's a little scary. Whereas earlier uh, in the spring, I was kind of very, very interested in that RB3 territory for Sanders. Yeah, I, I, I'm with it. I, I understand that from both. I understand both your viewpoints. And Jen, to be honest, I got to kind of walk back that Gainwell hate like from earlier this offseason. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I... Just hearing You're enough, me hope, Chris. Yeah, just hearing enough, like from from Eagles beat writers as well. That just if Gainwell's going to see more, Ooh, it seems like they're more willing to use him in the passing game as well. I, mean, I definitely have to adjust as I get more information. Yeah, it we seems have like to. They really want to use him as much of a pass catcher as a rusher this year. So if we're expecting more from the passing game, I mean they can't be just dead last in pass rate over expectation again this season. So yeah, I think there's at least a chance that if there's more passing volume. For all of the pass catching targets, Gainwell should definitely start to see his uh, workload start to rise as well. So I have to adjust for that. So I'm with it. Uh, And Dallas, last piece, I mean, Dallas Goddard, he's good. So we're good, right? Yeah, he's good. We're good. I like him. He's Um, right after Dalton Schultz goes, I start looking at him. Yep. I want to throw something out there uh, real quick. Uh, I believe they are redoing Three Men and a Baby or have already redone Three Men and a Baby. Please tell me that that Kenneth Walker is going to be involved. Now, Marshawn Lynch would be fantastic to be, to be somehow. He'll be the some, baby. He'll be the oh baby. God, He'll be his head with a, on a baby body. Oh, I love that it. would be incredible. Watch. They're kind of like, they're probably going to try and redo that with like Ryan Reynolds, Chris Pratt. Yeah. And like, oh, yeah. Insert, I don't know. Like, I definitely other... saw something about a redo. Like it either already happened Jeez. or it was happening. Uh, maybe yeah. Sal, maybe Sal can look that up for us while we uh, while we move on to the next team. I don't know. I, I don't know if we want to ask Sal for anything right now. He might hate us after our Alex Smith slander. <laughs> you know, um, I know, but it it is what it is, right? Um, all right, let's move on to the Cowboys, shall we? Let's do guys, it. Okay. Uh, so yeah, let's first let's first talk about Dak because I'm I've been very intrigued by Dak because. You know, he was injured a couple years ago, but he's fine now. He is, like, drop. I mean, every draft I'm in, I end up, like, sitting there going, Am I, I have no other pieces, but should I be taking Dak? Because, like, I believe his ADP is around 90, right? But, I mean, I saw him today fall, you know, almost a full round, and I ended up taking him, and I had no other pieces, and I took naked Dak, and then I grabbed some stuff later because I was like, well, why? I just don't understand the hate of Dak. I mean, I know he was hurt. And then last year wasn't fantastic, but for where he's being drafted, at least I feel like, I mean, he's still good, right? He has an arm, he has legs, like he's still, you know, a good quarterback. Am I crazy that I've been kind of scooping him up when he's been falling? Chris, are you in? Are you? I'm in, but I think the, just the general concern for their pass catchers. I mean, if the James Washington injury Right. is a significant ding to your passing offense like that's a, that's a problem right i mean i get that but you have lamb and you have schultz like that's better than some teams have you know? i guess but and then it's you've just got, yeah. but then with like tolbert comes in but he's unproven and the adp on tolbert 
y'all are out of your minds like with this tolbert thing like i'm, I'm 100 out on that but i think that's just but i understand why i understand why if you're if your starting offense is now going to include like be included and limited to cd lamb jalen tolbert dalton schultz and whatever they're expecting to do with the running backs that's a concern, especially when they went from, let's say, a miscast but efficient wide receiver in Amari Cooper and then also having like Michael Gallup there, like for, let's say, half-ish like part of the season. So if they're opening with just like literally half of that group, like plus a, plus a rookie this year, I get why they're concerned. But to at least put the positive spin on it, offensive line is healthy as of right now. Tyron Smith, Terrence Steele. I mean, they've got enough there on the starting starting offensive line to at least keep the ship afloat until Michael Gallup gets back whenever week that happens to be. I think literally the what the press, I think the, from the story that was came out a couple weeks ago about journalists asking Michael Gallup if he's going to be ready for week one, he literally laughed. It's like there's no reason to expect him to be back, like given when he tore his ACL. So I guess I can understand like why folks would be somewhat concerned with Dak coming into this season but the hope is now like you mentioned I mean a year away or at least now two years away from the horrific ankle injury what another year away from the calf and labrum strain like from the prior year so if we can see a little bit more from him in the rushing column which while he wasn't like on the Lamar Jackson uh, Kyler Murray scale I would say he was least at like let's say well let's say 80 percent 75 percent of like peak Russ yeah yeah absolutely that's That's a great way to describe him Put him in that category and he's fine. So I think there's enough there for him to at least like to at least make his bones on those types of plays as a passer. So I get the I get the concern, but I'm still in on him, like given his cost as of right now. Brandon, you got anything? Dak? QB four. Dak Prescott QB four. Love Q love it. He was the QB seven last year. He was phenomenal. <laughs> and now he's two years removed. And I, I understand I'm concerned. Also, with the idea that he's not going to have Gallup for a good portion of the time, he's going to miss Amari Cooper and all that. But they're running Tony Pollard in the slot. They want to give him the ball more. I think between Lamb and Pollard and Schultz and then half a season of Gallup and uh, whatever else they want to throw out there, I think he's going to be fine. And he's going to run a little bit more. Uh, Noah Brown. Yeah, Noah there you Brown. Go. There yeah. you go. Your boy Brown. Your boy <laughs> Noah Brown. Uh, you know, everybody, Twitter's favorite, Jalen Tolbert. You know, those guys don't need to be huge to help Dak, right? They move the chains a couple times, get a couple touchdowns. Uh, ultimately, I think I'm fully, fully on board with Dak to CeeDee Lamb. I think that that's something I'm I'm buying into a lot. And I think Dak's going to end up being my QB4 by the, by the time the season starts. All right. Well, you mentioned Pollard. I mean, we've got... You know, we're faced with another season of Zeke versus Pollard. <laughs> you know, the, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's tough. You know, there's a lot of hype for Pollard, like you said. Them using him in the slot, them using him in other places, them using him instead of Zeke, you know, in, in certain situations. Um, their ADPs are, you know, I don't know how many rounds apart, but uh, I guess I can look real quick while I'm talking. Yeah, uh, four-ish. Yeah, Zeke's yeah. like the third round. Pollard's like the fifth or sixth. Yeah, so Zeke is RB seventeen right now. Uh, and yeah, so I mean, Chris, are you drafting either, both, neither? I've been more in on Pollard, uh, not just because of the his archetype of player, where it's if they could go to Tony Pollard as a full time player, they they could, and most folks would probably agree that they probably should. But it's also just the the value proposition or the opportunity cost associated with Zeke. Like we were talking earlier, the types of wide receivers that are typically going where like Zeke is being taken, I'd rather like take a swing on those types of guys. And also, at least this is my personal approach. I've typically drafted the in the first two to three rounds, I've already taken two running backs. I'll start off with like Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley, which I'm sure we'll talk about Saquon Barkley here shortly. But like, you know, the Dalvin Cooks and Aaron Jones or like DeAndre Swift and like James Conner. But like in those first few rounds before Zeke goes, I've already taken my two running backs. So I'm not looking for a running back until about when Pollard goes anyway. But if this is now also like we were talking earlier with a team that's essentially limited in the way that's going to be able to create explosives on the field. Zeke is not going to be that dude like he is not at this point in his career he's not capable of taking those breakaway runs or whatever we saw that literally last season PCL injury be damned so it's if they need somebody that can do that Pollard should be that guy now I can see them running him out there in pony packages where Zeke is in the backfield split out Tony Pollard let Dak do his thing 
that's absolutely in the realm of possibility. But my only concern with that situation is that that forces Mike McCarthy to be creative as a coach, which, uh, <laughs> all right, you can you can make that bet if you want to, man. But it's just, that, that's that's a tough sell for me given his track record, uh, him thinking that he learned analytics and whatever. So I just I would just rather I would rather Tony Pollard again just given the opportunity cost, and then also just because again if you're looking for that contingent value. Of, uh, of the type of running back that can go from where he's being drafted right now into, let's say, the early single-digit rounds. I mean, Pollard has to be the gold standard of that type of running back anyway. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I feel the same way. Brandon, you got anything to, to add to that? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you know, okay. Zeke uh, is going to fall off a cliff. Maybe it's this year. Maybe it's next yeah. year. I don't know. Third round is eh, – I'm, I'm, I'm interested occasionally. Uh, I'm with Chris, though. I only take Zeke in the third when I've gone receiver-receiver in the first two rounds and Michael Pittman's no longer available. I agree. And we pretty much talked about Schultz, so we don't really need to go there again. I think sure. we've kind of gone there. So I think we should get, go, go on to our, our final team of the night. Yeah, let's talk Giants a little bit. Uh, the Giants are uh, one of the more volatile, like <laughs> widespread opinions across mm-hmm. Twitter. Uh, let's start with Saquon Barkley because he was back in the spring. He was third round and every once in a while he'd be end of the third round. And uh, now you, you kind of got to get him up the turn. He's like early second round. People are in on Saquon Barkley. Uh, let's start with you, Jen. Are you buying Saquon Barkley at cost? Do you believe in the rena- the 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 revolution? <laughs> you know, Saquon Barkley being back. I would like to believe in in the uh, the bounce back revolution, as you say, of Saquon Barkley. I have seen the training camp photos. I've seen he's jacked. I get it. Uh, he's expensive. I I have very limited uh, Saquon Barkley right now in my portfolio. I just would rather get someone in, in that position. I would rather get DeAndre Swift or Aaron Jones if I'm going to take a running back at, at that section. Um, I will take Barkley here and there. I, I'm trying to get behind this new Giants, you know, new era, new everything that's happening there. Uh, but the recency bias is still creepy, creepy in my brain. So, um, yeah, limited, limited Barkley. Um, I wish him well. I hope he does great. But I don't know if I'm going to be the one that's going to draft him. I, I feel that I love the kid. Love the kid. Uh, he's not going to be on any of my fantasy rosters. It's just not. It's just not going to be the way. Chris, how are you feeling? So can I make the case for drafting Saquon Barkley in the year of our Lord 2022? Absolutely. Please do. Go. Please do, my friend. All right. So uh, again, go out and check out the the full piece on 444.com. I did the uh, like the debates that we were doing like throughout the off season. I forget who I was debating against though. I think it was like Saquon Barkley versus maybe like James Conner. Maybe. Might have been me. <laughs> was it you? Like, well, I mean, Jen, you did it. Like, can I forget like who? who I know I argued yeah. James Conner over. Somebody. I'm looking. I'm Barkley. looking while you talk. Go ahead. Okay. So here's here are my thoughts like for James Conner, like forget or not James Conner, Saquon Barkley, uh, Freudian slip. Forget like throw out the stuff from like 2018, 2019. Like that's not that's not the data points that I that I was trying to use. It's more for context because, yeah, like back then, 2018, 2019, like top 10 and essentially like every single like running back metric. Like sure. missed, especially missed, 18. Yeah. Yeah. Especially 18. And the guy was an absolute beast like when he came out of college. So it was more about 2020. Or uh, even like even last year, actually, uh, taking a look at like the 2021 stats. Did you know that? Uh, so in 2020, uh, like he actually, no, and even 2021, top 20 in yards after contact, missed tackles, broken tackles, yards per route run as a receiver, and then yards after the catch, like per attempt, like last season. Like that was even with like the busted ankle and that gruesome clip. Remember when he like actually hit a dude like yeah, by accident that was, and all that? Ugh, that looked awful. Ugh. But th- that was still Saquon Barkley in 2021, like knowing that he was still messed up, not trusting his leg and all the other narratives that we heard like over the offseason for this year. He was still like top 20, like amongst all running backs in the games that he was healthy. So if he's still capable of being that back, like when he was injured and now you have him healthy, saying that he's trusting his knee, saying that he's capable of being the guy that he was like a few seasons ago. I mean, he was already top 20 most of those metrics now, or like last season. Now we've got at least improved Saquon Barkley. Now he can at least be, let's say the thought is that he can get, maybe reach the top 12, like compared to where, at least get back to where he was a few seasons ago. The other thing, his pass catching ability, his receptions. Now in 2018, 2019, he was catching... 85, 86% of all of his 
uh, receptions or his targets so far have been at or behind the line of scrimmage. Inefficient targets. Fantasy managers don't care about inefficient targets. We just want targets, a la Najee Harris. But with Brian Dayball coming into town, we've seen him being used past the line of scrimmage. I mean, actually running like legitimate routes, which actually he was doing at Penn State and he was doing for just a hot minute, like in his uh, in his rookie season. But they had to dumb it all down. I mean, you have Daniel Jones in her center again, limited uh, player under center, limiting your entire offense. That's all Daniel Jones can do. But we've seen already throughout the preseason offseason him actually running like legitimate routes, efficient routes, because if you know that he's capable of being elusive after the catch, he can create after the catch. Like almost like dag on near on par with like Debo Samuel, like after the catch, like a big elusive guy. Then also running the types of routes that allow you to achieve that yards after the catch ability afterwards. I'm buying into that. I'm buying into that because if Brian Dayball wants to give as many easy situations like for his quarterback, which they need at this point, how many other players on that roster are capable of doing that? Are they really going to expect? I mean, Kadarius Tony, great. I have no issues with him, but who else inside that offense is capable of creating to, in order to move this offense down the field efficiently? We've already heard or seen so many clips of Kenny Galladay either not giving up effort or whatever the case may be, and like everybody's essentially out on Kenny Galladay. So who else in this offense? Bellinger? I mean, what else? Are we, Wandale Robinson? Like Wandale Robinson, like while I'm excited as the next dynasty manager about what Wandale can do, he is not Saquon Barkley. Not yet, at least as a receiver. So it's just there are only so many options in order for this offense to take off. And there's only so many options that are capable of being as efficient as Saquon Barkley can be. So it's just why not Barkley? So if he's already the rushing, like the leading rusher on that offense, and now he's being used efficiently, efficiently as a receiver, I'm back in. Saquon Barkley 2022. It's a, it's a compelling argument, right? Uh, and if he was going around later, I'd be right with you there, Chris. I'd be right with I don't you. Know. <laughs> I'm, I'm buying, I'm buying in the hype. Maybe it's I, too much. No, no. I, I hope you're right. Cause I love the kid. Like I love mm -hmm. I, in 2018. I, he was one of my favorite players in the draft. He's super fun to watch. I oh, can't yeah. argue with anything you said about his talent. Uh, just tremendously talented. Hopefully he's healthy and crushes it and is, is yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Kenny Galladay. You brought up Kenny Galladay. The negative hype about Kenny Galladay has gone uh, to uh, <laughs> to a, an intense level, right? People basically are now uh, talking about Kenny Galladay as if he's forgotten how to run, how to catch, uh, mm -hmm. how to do anything. Jen, uh, does Kenny no. Galladay have any value? Any value no. at all? No, no value at all. <laughs> no. Nope. nope. I'm out. <laughs> Not approved. Nope. Not nope. Jen approved. Dang. No, I just can't. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough for me to, to honestly get uh, get behind him. I just don't. I just don't see it. I feel like he's dust. I may be wrong, and I could eat crow later on when he's you know a wide receiver three or something. But for me, it's just not happening. It's 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 fair, you know. He's had two injury marred seasons. Um, one injury marred, uh, you know, that kept him out most of the season. One injury marred that kept him uh, less than 100 percent most of last season. Uh, but he is three years removed from leading the league in touchdown receptions. Chris, uh, any hope for Kenny Galladay at all, or um, you know, any of those pass catchers with the Giants? We you just kind of uh, talked about how Saquon Barkley's the only game in town in that passing offense, but. Uh, you know, all those Giants pass catchers are free. So mm -hmm. uh, are any of them? Are you interested in rostering any of them? Uh, I have been taking uh, Kadarius Tony. I thought I said like I was in on Kadarius Tony. Like You did. I'm sorry. You did say that. And Wandale at his price. OK, fine. You can probably talk me into him, too. But Kenny Galladay is such a hard case to evaluate, because if we're thinking about the types of patterns or types of concepts or routes that in order for that team to be efficient, Kenny Gala doesn't run any of those. I mean, like historically speaking, he's just been like that primary X receiver that just like, you know, does, does the wind sprints like right down the field, like hoping a guy like, you know, when he was with Matt Stafford would throw those types of aggressive balls in order for him to catch and like be that contested catch receiver because he has the size. Are we really wanting Daniel Jones to be that guy? And I would say that Brian Dable will probably look at that situation and just be like, stylistically, Kenny Gallagher doesn't fit with what they're trying to do as of right now. I mean, they're trying to get Kadarius Tony involved in the offense. They're trying to get Wandale Robinson involved in the offense because, again, if you want the easy layups, 
like the like the intermediate targets across the middle of the field, get him going on crossing routes. So just hit him on like, you know, seven, eight, nine yard, you know, dig curl routes, like that sort of thing. So just like streaking across the field afterwards. Kenny Galladay is not doing that. So while I think he might be able to have a couple of spike weeks like here and there, you know, Kenny Galladay, I mean, that's absolutely possible. So I'd much rather take him like he is a better and best ball type of guy. But overall, I just it's difficult for me to sell to sell myself on the story that he winds up severely outkicking uh, his ADP at this point. He's the, he's he's one of those wide receivers that like I'll just take the boring points that I get from him because it'll just be like he'll have like you know five catches for like a hundred plus yards and two touchdowns one week and then like nothing after that okay. for a, for a number of weeks. And I, I just kind of see that as being the thing that he does like for for the season, okay. and that's assuming he stays healthy. That's fair. Yeah, which is which is an assumption. I'm buying Galladay because he's free, and that's it. That's the only that's reason a, why. That's 100% agree with that. If, yeah. If he cost anything, I wouldn't be buying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but he's free. Uh, yeah. So uh, I don't think there's really a whole lot more to talk about with the Giants' offense. We're running well in time anyway. Uh, neither of you want to make a an argument that Daniel Jones has any value in one quarterback leagues, right? Redraft, no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, going to leave with a, a quick uh, yes or no question for both of you, Jen. Uh, Daniel Jones starting quarterback in 2023. Yes or no? Uh, no. Oh, I agree. J- Chris? For the Washington Commanders, yes. Excellent. Ooh, I love it. It's, yes. they'll, they'll trade, they'll trade some of <laughs> in that. Division. Uh, in division. Yes. Love, love that call. <laughs> yeah. It's a great yeah. call. And we'll be saying it's the best quarterback Terry McLaurin's yes. ever played with. It's and like... we'll be singing this exact same <laughs> team next year. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, Jen, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for checking us out. Have a good day.